All right, thank you, Pastor. It is good to be here tonight. I appreciate you being out in the house of the Lord on Monday night, praying and coming, seeking the Lord's face. Let's turn, if you will, please, to the book of Acts, chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16. Let me say to the church that I thank you for what you did for Brother Jusuda last night. And uh, those folk are really precious people. Uh, I've been with them many times in many different situations down in the country of Brazil. And I can tell you right now, they're true blue. They've been saved by the grace of God. And uh, that's how they operate, loving the Lord. And I uh, bless the Lord for that. Uh, they spoke about uh, Brother Maji. They're having a 50th anniversary uh, when Brother Cates came down there to the Amazon. Brother Maji was a uh, sot drunk. He was a gutter drunk. And even Maji's family told Kenneth, said, just leave him alone. He never will get saved. Kenneth said, I can't do that. Said, I just like him. Kept witnessing to him, kept witnessing to him. And then one night, oh, uh, Maji tried to get drunk and he couldn't get drunk. And he knew something had got a hold of him. So had his brother call, Brother Kenneth and another preacher. They came over there and prayed with him. Omaji got saved by the grace of God. He left Monica, Peru. Kenneth took him back in the jungle to one of those villages for two years and got him away from a lot of that city junk. And God called him to preach and he put him in a little church back there. And uh, the Lord used him greatly. And now he's there in Monica, Peru, and been pastoring the church there for many years. And uh, it's one of the leading churches in that area. And old Brother Maji's one of the leading men of God. I've been with him on the Amazon, and whenever we go up the river, we'll take a, about a 56-foot boat. And uh, yeah, everybody has a hammock, and they'll have hammocks all down through that boat. And that hammock is your bed, it's your table, it's your seat, it's your study, it's your little territory. And I've been right there by old brother Maji and watched him read that Bible. Look at his Bible, it's war slap out. And if you ask him a question, he'll answer you with a Bible verse. I don't care what the question is, you ask him and he'll, he'll give you a Bible. He's just a walking Bible, continually going through the Word of God, the Word of God going through him. And uh, that's the kind of stuff that's going on. I've just finished up a second part to that book, Brother Cates' Life. And we're in the process of editing and doing some things of that nature. And I entitled it, The Heartbeat Goes On. I didn't want to entitle it, The Beat Goes On. I didn't want to get in copyright infringements for somebody. Uh, but they said Kenneth's heartbeat stopped on the Amazon River. Uh, but it didn't stop. You heard a little bit of it last night, surfacing in old Brother Dressu and all of those other guys that God's raised up. And what God starts, He will complete. And what He begins, it will go on. The old Pharisee said, men, uh, if this is of man, uh, it'll die out. But if it's of God, you're going to be found fighting against God. And so he said, you can't fight against God. And this is something that God has done and is carrying on. Amen. And I appreciate you all being a part of that. Let's stand tonight and we'll reverence God's Word together. Looking in Acts chapter number 16, down in verse number 6, the Bible says, And when they had gone through Phygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysa, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passed by Mysa and came to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision immediately, 
we endeavor to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord hath called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosening from Troas, we came with a straight course to uh, Samantha and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and were in the city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Lord, we thank you for letting us drop back into the history of the early church and what you did in those days. But I thank you even more that you have uh, caused this Bible to be a mirror, that somebody might see their own reflection and perhaps even their own story in these verses. And Lord, I pray tonight for those that may be in our midst lost without God. I pray the quickening power of the Holy Ghost to get a hold of them. Lord, you'll do that work and only you can. May they be drawn to this altar and call upon the name of the Lord and be saved tonight. Lord, I pray you bless those that are here with burdens in their heart and needs in their soul. I'm glad you can severally divide the word as you will. And Lord, give every person that portion of meat that they need in this hour. Lord, our eyes are upon you this evening. And we pray you'll quicken us according to your loving kindness. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I want to look tonight at the thought of the salvation of Lydia. Have you ever noticed how many times in the Word of God that God will take an entire chapter and describe for us how He saves one individual? Other times He'll take one verse and say, 5,000 were added to the church, or 3,000 were saved, or 4,000 were saved, and then just move right on. He gives us an entire chapter in chapter number 3 of John of his dealings with Nicodemus. He does that many times, and I believe it's because of the importance of the fact that salvation is an individual matter. And you know, tonight, God deals with us as individuals. There may be a good crowd here this evening And it'd be easy to say, well, that's for somebody else. But God's in the business of speaking to us as individuals. Now, let's look at how God dealt with Lydia and brought her to faith unto himself. We see the place of the scene is down in Philippi. Now, Paul did not intend to go there. The Bible tells us in this evangelistic journey in chapter 16 in verse 1 that he came to Derby, then the Lystra. And uh, he uh, continued preaching the Word of God. And he was headed down to Asia. And that was his intent. That was his itinerary. That's where he was headed to. But as he headed down into Asia, God put a stop sign up and said, No, I don't want you to go there. So he turned a little in the other direction and said, Well, we'll go to Phrygia, to the regions of Galatia. And the Bible says that he was forbidden 
of the Holy Ghost to preach the Word of God there. You know, we have folk that don't know God in this hour that are trying to direct missions. They just say, well, you know, head out anywhere. God wants us to go into all the world. But there's more to it than that. There's individual direction that God gives His men and gives His church. There's a big world out there. They all need Jesus, no doubt about it. But God's in charge of sending us where He would be pleased. Paul had enough sense to understand and know when the Lord was leading him and when God was forbidding him. And it's as important not to do as it is to do when God speaks to our heart. And I want to say, dear friend, that obedience is the key to the entire matter. He would have never arrived in Philippi had he not obeyed God. He'd have never got where God wanted him to be had he not obeyed God. And a lot of folk are sitting in an idle position because they're not obeying God. If you want to go with the Lord, you've got to kick the brakes off. You've got to yield to Him. And God's not going to be your co-pilot. You've got to get out from under the wheel and say, Lord, you drive wherever you go, whenever, however, whatever, lock, stock, and barrel, Timbuktu, Kalamazoo, Alaska, Africa. It don't matter if it's pygmies or if it's giants. It doesn't matter who you want me to reach. God, I'm willing to go whenever, wherever, however, and do whatever you want me to do. And that was the attitude of Paul. And these servants had a yieldedness in their heart. And if you notice many times in the Word of God, as God's telling us about the salvation of a sinner, it usually begins with the obedience of a child of God. Now your obedience or disobedience has a lot to do with things. Folk want to act like that it doesn't have anything to do with anything. But the Bible tells us at the judgment bar of God that sinner's blood is going to be required at our hands. If we don't do and we don't reach and we don't obey God, There's a responsibility that falls on you and falls on me. I know that God's sovereign, but I know that we are responsible. And I look at it like this. God is up here. He's above us all. God never has learned a new thought. You say, are all things set, preacher? Well, with God they are because God's never learned a new thought and nothing's ever come new to His mind and who told God what to think? But you and me, we're down here on this level. If I want to, I can shut my Bible and run out that door and you can't stop me. Amen. If I want to, I can move to the right or I can move to the left. I have a leeway of what I can do and you have a leeway of what you can do. And what we do in relationship to our service to God is going to be called into accountability. The Bible tells us as Paul finished up his ministry at Ephesus, And he gathered those elders out there on the seashores. He got ready to board that ship and head out somewhere else. He said, I want to call you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. I've not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. I preached it publicly and from house to house. And I've told Ephesus the gospel of the Lord and their blood is off of my hands. That goes back to Ezekiel where Ezekiel was told by the Lord, you are a watchman on the wall. And if the enemy comes in and you blow the trumpet and they won't listen, their blood's on their head. But if you go to sleep and the enemy comes in and destroys the city, then the blood is going to be required at your hands. 
And the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians or the book of Acts about the church at Ephesus, he said, my hands are pure from the blood of all men. And that's what he's talking about. Paul wanted to make sure that he was doing what God wanted him to do. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you sensitive and obedient unto the Lord? Percy Ray said he was coming in from a meeting. He went home, had to do some book work, and then get back to the bank before it closed. He said he was flying back up the road, headed to the bank, and God spoke to his heart, told him, said, stop and speak to that old man sitting on the porch there. And he said, Lord, i got to get to the bank. They'll close. i got to leave out tomorrow. And I'll come back by here and I'll see him in a few minutes. Said he went up there, dealt with the bank, turned around and came back. Said when he came back, there was ambulances and fire trucks there. Said he got out, went down there and said the old man had got up off the porch, walked behind his house and took a walk down the railroad track. He was hard of hearing, couldn't hear. And here came the train and the train splattered him down that railroad track. Old Brother Percy said, any time after that, when God spoke to my heart, I didn't argue with God. I obeyed God and did what God wanted me to do when God wanted me to do. Timing is of essence. And to obey God when God wants you to obey Him is a very important thing. As a young preacher, I was praying up in the graveyard behind my mom and dad's house. And I prayed beside that old tombstone, Blessed are the pure in heart. And I remember bowing there seeking the Lord and God laid it on my heart to go visit a neighbor of mine up the road. And I'd never known a man to go to church a day in his life far as I knew. And so I just got up off my knees, went and got my truck, went up there, sat down and talked to him. The guy had cancer. I didn't know he was in as bad a shape as he was in. But as we talked, he said, Randy said last night that God dealt with me and I called on the Lord and I asked Jesus to save me. And I believe he did. And he said, that's all I know to do. I, I can't give him anything. I've been a wretched man and I know I need to be saved and, and I've trusted him as my Lord. And we talked on for a while and I told him goodbye. I went home and got in the bed at two o'clock in the morning. The death angel passed by and took that fella on to be with the Lord. And I was one of the only people that he had told that to. And he called on me as an 18-year-old preacher to preach that funeral. And I sure was glad that I obeyed God instead of him hawing around and saying, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day, maybe another time. And you see, had Paul pursued and went on down into Asia, into Thyatira and all that area, this woman Lydia was from that area in Asia, but she wasn't there. God had moved her from that location up to Philippi to a Roman colony where they were free from taxation and she was a businesswoman, a seller of the toga garments and the dyed garments that uh, were of the high-end fashion industry of that day. And had Paul pursued and went on down Thyatira, he would have missed the very one that God was after. Boy, God's got a great plan, don't he? A fella called me up in Maine said, uh, I got a burden to go to St. Pierre Michelon. Uh, you know where that's at, don't you? That's a northern country uh, above Canada on the eastern seaboard of North America. It's out in the ocean and it's sort of a French village out there and it's sort of a small one. Well, I've been preaching in Paris, so he called me up and I said, well, I'll go. 
So me and my son, daughter-in-law, I got tickets for us, got ready to go. We were going to go up there, and just the day before we were to go, he said, I just don't feel comfortable going. I'm not going to go. He said, you can come back later. I said, later, my foot. I done paid for these tickets, and we got it scheduled. I said, if you don't want to go, we'll just, uh, and, uh, we'll just rent a vehicle, and we'll go ourselves. And so we did. We landed there and then went on across into Canada up through Nova Scotia. And I stopped off at a missionary friend of mine, uh, Brother Jamie Grooms. And I preached for him. And I mentioned where we wanted to go. God came up to me after the service. And he said, that is so strange. We have an elderly couple that is from St. Pierre, Michelon that buys horse feed from us. We've got a, tie, a tack and a feed shop and said they live next door to us and said they're not in town all the time, but they're in town. I said, reckon we could go see them. Said, I don't know. And so he called and then he called me back and told me, yeah, I said, they'd love to talk to you. So I went up there and I took the Bibles and the materials that we had intended to take to that area, got to talking to them. They were the leading family of that island. His daddy built the first hospital. He owned the cement factory, the only one on the whole island. His son was building the new hospital. He showed me pictures of his house and it looked like literally the Biltmore house. They had aerial photos and everybody had their little bitty houses and then theirs were stretched out like this. It, it, unreal. I mean, they were the leading family of the whole outfit. And I got to sit at their table and talk to them about the Lord. And his wife, they were Roman Catholics. His wife asked me every question you would want a Roman Catholic to ask you. And God broke her to tears. She said, I'm afraid to die. I'm not ready to die. I gave her the gospel, told her how to be saved by the grace of God. Her husband could speak very little English, so she interpreted for him, gave him the word of God, then was able to give him five messages that I preached in Paris that was translated by Emmanuel Bozzi, a great Napoleon Bonaparte, and got to give him just the plain gospel of the Lord Jesus, and now uh, that's in their lap. But God sent us all the way up there to reach that one family. I never did get to St. Pierre Michelin. Maybe one of these days I'll get to knock on their door and they'll say, Oh, I remember you. And I'm praying that God will save their soul by His grace. But the Lord in His providence brought all that together. And this is thousands of miles from my house. Well, here the Lord's putting it together. And I said all that to say this. If you're willing to obey God, God will make the rendezvous. And the Lord will put the things together that need to be put together. I was out at the kangaroo gas station and putting gas in my car. These two gentlemen drove up and they got out and they were filling up a rental car. I spoke to them, found out they were from up north. And I witnessed to them, gave them tracks and asked them what they were doing down this way. And they said, oh, we've been over to Seneca too. Said they'd do some tool and die work for us there. And I said, yeah, I know the fellow that owns that, Brother Mike Blackwell. They said, oh, yeah. I said, we know him. I said, he's a good friend of mine. They said, you know, he's a Christian man, and he's honest, and he'll do right. And that's why we're all the way down here. We've done business with him for years. And that providence brought that crossroads together. And you never know who's watching you or what's going on 
or who you're going to run into or who you'll sit beside on an airplane or, or be in a hospital bed by or run into in the highway down here somewhere. But Paul was willing to go and do. And I say to this, believers... If we want to be used of God to win souls for God's glory, we've got to do what Paul and his friends were doing in the early part of this chapter, and that was going in obedience to God. It may be across the street, and it may be around the world, and we don't put an end to or give God any if or nor for ands or buts or contract clauses. Amen. We just open our heart and say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. So we see the place of the service. Look at the position of the sinner. The Bible says as they went up there, they went out of the city and they went down by a riverside. And there on the Sabbath day, there was some folk down there and they were making prayer. Now, that tells me that Lydia was a religious person. But being a religious person doesn't make you saved. Oh my goodness. That word prayer is thrown around a lot. I'm sure Donald Trump thrilled to death Nancy Pelosi said she was praying for him. <laughs> that is hilarious that she would even say that. But you have people say, well, I'm praying. Well, it's Lydia was praying. But she's lost as she could be. And friend, just because you offer some prayers don't mean that you're making connection with Almighty God. Here she was a religious lost sinner. You know, most folk got religion. They really do. They got some sort of religion. If you don't believe it, let them be headed head on into an automobile wreck and hear what they say. Oh my mother monkey. Or they come around the curve and they go off the road. Oh, my Darwin and evolution. No. Whose name do they use? They use the name that's lodged in the back of their head because they know there is a God and they're fixing to meet Him. Most folk got some religion, but religion won't save you. When the Lord got ready to talk about the new birth, He brought out the most religious man in the country, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, Nicodemus. And He said, this man needs to be born again or he'll not even see the kingdom of God. Wait a minute. Nicodemus prayed nine hours a day. A Pharisee prayed three hours in the morning, three hours in the middle of the day, three hours in the evening. But he needed to be born again. Here's a man that wouldn't eat anything that defiled his body. He wouldn't break any laws, any Sabbaths. All of that, and the Lord said, he needed to be born again? That's exactly right. Religion is not the answer. Not only that, but we find that she was a rich woman. She was a seller of purple. If you went to Paris, France, or up to New York and saw the, the different garments in the windows, you'd see the Lydia line of garments, the purple togas and the purple garments that... Uh, she had made. Man, they were very expensive and uh, she was a seller of the purple. She had money, but you know what? She still needs, she knew that she needed God. And then we find that she was a woman who had been readied. She's there by the river on the Sabbath making, uh, making prayers because she knew something was not right. Something was deep and something was empty in her heart. I want to ask you a question. Have you got an empty spot in your heart tonight? Is there a place in your soul that you know just is, is void and, and vacated and that you need something from another world? 
You need God to do something for you. You need to be saved by the grace of God. Well, here's this woman God all the world can offer, and yet she's empty on the inside. And you can drink and taste and own and handle and feel and behold all the things of the world, but it's not big enough to fill the void that's in the heart of mankind. But then I want you to look at the power of salvation. The Bible says as they went down to the river, she attended to the things that Paul had spoken. In other words, he was preaching down there by the river. He was preaching the gospel, and he had already said in verse 10, we assuredly gathered that the Lord called us to preach the gospel unto them. There he was, a riverbank preacher, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ, who he was and all that he had done, how he bled and died on the cross, how he rose from the dead, ascended on high, how they needed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And Lydia, out of all that crowd, she got the big eyes and the craned head and the attentive ear, and she began to listen. And it's something, as I preach to congregations all over the world, you see folk, man, they're doodling, they're playing with a songbook, they're involved with other things, their mind's somewhere else. But once in a while, you get one of them that gets that Holy Ghost far away stare. And you can tell that God is rattling their cage. Well, God was rattling Lydia's cage. Amen. And the scripture said that God opened her heart. And that word open means to open wide, like the opening of the big double doors. There wasn't just a little crack there. Thank God her heart flew wide open. And she said, how about that? This is what I've been needing all the time. God sent this message and God sent this man my way and this is exactly what I need. And God did a heart-opening work. And if there's a heart-opening work that ever takes place in you, you won't have to ask the deacon or the preacher who it is. You'll know that it's the Lord. Amen. And Lydia's heart was open, wide open. And she clave unto Paul and unto the things of God. And she got saved by the grace of God. And the Bible tells us how that she was baptized and her household. It wasn't just her, but I believe maybe her young'uns, her husband, her family said, What's this all about? Why'd you go down in that water? Why'd that fella dunk you in that river? She said, because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I've trusted Him, and I want you to trust Him. And God ran through that whole family and began to save the whole outfit. Family, it's a blessing to see a whole pew of a family. Amen. It's a blessing to look around and see kinfolk here. And that's the way it often happens. I've seen it happen. God saved some old rough boy. Praise God, He brings His friend. Then they bring their friend. Then they bring their friend. First thing you know, it runs through them like a case of measles. Glory to God. And the whole outfit got saved by the grace of God. Aren't you glad God's given us the promise? He said to the jailer, he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Thank God God included the youngins too. It was a blessing this morning. I got a phone call. Tucker, Rebecca's uh, third little boy, called me up and said, Poppy, guess what happened to me? I said, what happened to you, Tucker? He said, I got saved. I said, when did you get saved? He said, last night in my bed, Poppy. 
said, I got saved. Rebecca said he'd been laying there and praying and asking the Lord to save him and couldn't get no peace. He said she spent hours with him. But last night, thank God, he said it was like, it was like God came down and, and my heart just opened up and, and he came in and, and, and he's just been bouncing off the wall full of joy today. Amen. And what a blessing that is to see that happen. And listen, I preached hell as hard as you could preach it and watch sinners go out and shake my hand and say, oh, that was a really encouraging message. That was a nice message. And go right out the door. And then I preached to the saints of God, and boy, really dealt with sin and stuff, not even mention hardly salvation for sinners. And here come three or four get saved. Amen. And I've concluded this, salvations of the Lord. You just be faithful to preach what He wants you to preach. And in His due season, in His due time, He'll target that heart. He'll pinpoint that soul. He'll reveal Himself unto them. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee. But my Father which is in heaven. And when God quickens and convicts a sinner, their eyes will open and it'll be like that proverbial light bulb goes off. And they'll see themselves lost and undone without God. You won't have to sing 942 stanzas of just as I am to get them in the altar. A lot of times they'll be ready to get in the altar before you're even ready to get them in the altar. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Aren't you glad God's in the saving business? And then I want you to look at this power of salvation. Not only did God open Lydia's heart, but now Lydia opens her home. In verse 15. The Bible says she besought us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Evidently, she owned a large house, maybe a compound. That was a rough neck of the woods. And you see that in the latter part of this chapter with the damsel and divination and them mean devils is running the community. And she knew how rough it was, but she said, if you got confidence that I got saved, I want you and all your men. And there was a big team that was with it to come in and abide at my house. And there's where the first church of Philippi got started. And you don't despise the day of small things. Because from this church at Philippi, the gospel went out and it headed up northward. And it wound up going into England and Scotland and Wales and Ireland. And then it came from there over to this country, it is Columbus Day, you know. Thank God, old Columbus sailed the blue and uh, put the flag up over there. And then God's people were persecuted in Europe and they were poured out on the shores of America and they conquered this country and the cup of the Amorites was full. Everybody wants to act like the Indians were over here just having a real nice powwow and loving each other and hugging each other and having a big tie. Do you know all the Indian tribes, except for one, I think, was cannibalistic? And man, they killed each other. They would have killed each other off. The Blackfeet Indians counted coup on anybody that they could get a hold of. I mean, they skipped their enemies out for later. You talk about barbaric fellas. Amen. And God let the Europeans come over here. And He was blessing in letting the Christian Europeans come over. I know this history changing bunch would make us out all to be a bunch of devils and all the rest of it. But I'm going to tell you, God gave this land to those that loved the Lord. And you can see it in our Constitution and in our history. Thank God the gospel is coming. I just preached on uh, to the Comanche and the Apache and 
I preached to some uh, other tribes out there in Oklahoma, and those that are saved are thrilled to death the gospel came. And they're not worshiping some tree or some fire or some spirit or some animal, but they're worshiping Jehovah God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we owe us sitting here enjoying the Lord to what God did right here in this story. And from there, the gospel went northward, and then it wound up over here in our hearts. Hallelujah. Well, Paul started that church there. God started the church, used Paul to do it. And out of that came a mighty work. Later, we find the Philippian jailer gets saved. The little damsel gets saved. God gives them a standing in the community, and he raised up a mighty work in that place. And I guess the message tonight is not just the salvation of Lydia. That one woman getting saved was a key to a mighty work beginning in that area. But also the key to her getting saved was a child of God that said, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. I want to go to Asia. No, you can't go there. Well, I want to go over here to Galatia. Can't go there. I'll go to Phygia. Can't go there. Well, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm willing to do whatever. And God made it clear and plain, and He assuredly gathered. And if you're gathering information and the Lord's speaking and pressing you from three or four different sides, you need to open your ears and open your heart and say, Lord, what are you up to? Because you mark it down. If God's working on you, He's working on somebody else. And it's not vain that what the Lord's doing in you And so I just beseech you tonight to pray, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Even in this meeting, there'll be folk that you'll pass by. There'll be folk that you'll speak to. There'll be folk you can call. There'll be places you can go. There'll be situations after we leave this meeting here tonight that you'll run into folk. And you can either just be quiet about it or you can speak to them about the Lord and invite them over and ask them to come and ask God to give you a burden. And if you're here tonight lost without God, I'll tell you, the Lord's gone to a lot of trouble to get you the gospel. He sent me all the way from my house tonight. He's put a burden in this preacher's heart. All these folk have gathered. The lights are on. The doors of welcome are open. The opportunity is given. The gospel has been presented. God's gone, lot, gone to a lot of trouble just for you. And can't you imagine Lydia worshiping later on saying, wow, what about that? Paul could have went on down there to Asia. or He could have went over to Galatia or anywhere. But God sent him here just for me. You ever thought about that? Maybe God sent this message just for you. And if you're sitting in a congregation and a message like this comes and you say, well, that I didn't get nothing out of Well, maybe God's giving it to somebody else. It may be your turn tomorrow night and you'll get your wagon loaded. Amen. Amen. But God loads your wagon in His time. But if He's pointing somebody else out, if He's drawing somebody else, and tonight's their night, you just let the Lord have His way and you pray, God, I'm satisfied with whatever you want to do. I want you to stand all over the house, please. Sister, if you'll come on the piano, I'd appreciate that. Let's bow our heads and hearts. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, would you know we love you? This church loves you. Folk are praying for you.
Just like God saved Lydia, the Lord will save you. This is a great opportunity for you. Why don't you slip out and make your way to this altar? Come ask the Lord to save you tonight. Child of God, it may be the Lord spoke to your heart. And you need to just pray, Lord, what will thou? Like Paul, you're on the journey of life, but there are turns and twists. We don't want to miss the road. We don't have to backtrack. We want to hit the target. Don't join these in the altar, child of God. You come on. We want revival. And revival comes if my people, if we're willing, if we're longing, if we want to be used for God's glory. Maybe you need to come pray for somebody tonight. Lost without God, they need Jesus. Sinner friend, would you slip out? Would you come? Call on the Lord. Seek His face. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. God spoke to you. You want to come? Come on. honestly know that you're saved you pass from death unto life why don't you come and seek the Lord this evening Lydia's life was changed for the better your life will be changed for the better best thing ever happened to you is to know Him my my